Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 59. I'm your host, James Shotwell, and I guess I should start with an apology. There was no episode of Inside Music last week, and though we really, really did intend to get one to you by the end of the weekend, one thing led to another, and it just kind of fell apart. That's okay, though, because we're back in the saddle this week with a new episode, and I can promise you next week's is already recorded, so we are good to go for the foreseeable future. On this week's episode of the show, I am speaking with Jason Moreno, vocalist for the band Drowning Pool. Now, I know a lot of you probably know Drowning Pool from their hit song, Bodies, which has kind of become a modern, iconic rock classic, but there's a lot more to the group than that. The Dallas natives have actually known Jason Moreno, their current singer, since the days before they were signed. Jason was in another band that used to tour with Drowning Pool a lot, and when the band took off, he was... You know, a little in all of their success. After their original singer Dave died, Jason was there to help the band members mourn, and as they moved from vocalist to vocalist, Jason was still there. When their last vocalist left the group a few years back, the group didn't know if they were even going to continue forward, but then Jason came into the picture, and things just kind of clicked. The group has since released two albums with Jason on vocals, Resilience, and their latest, Hallelujah. And on this episode, we talk about it all. Jason's a really good guy that I've never had a chance to speak to before. In fact, if you had told me five years ago I would be purposely interviewing the guy from Drowning Pool, I would have thought you might have been crazy. Rock has not always been the kind of realm that I spend a lot of time in, but I've grown to appreciate it and the people who keep it alive more and more as I get a little bit older. I think this is a really interesting conversation because we haven't had a lot of time to talk about straight up rock and roll on the show before. We talk a lot about the emo punk alternative warp tour scene and we talk a little bit about hip hop and a little bit about singer songwriter, but rock and roll as it is, you know, the same genre as like an ACDC or groups like that, that is an area of the world of music that we have not really featured much on the show until now. Jason tells us about Hallelujah, his time joining Drowning Pool. And, you know, his thoughts on the state of rock music today. It's, you know, it's not as bad as it may seem, but it is hurting. So, you know, if you if you care at all about the future of rock and roll, this is definitely the episode for you. A few other things before we get to the conversation, however. Holix, the company that makes this podcast possible, is going to be at South by Southwest next month. If you are in Austin, March 15th through the 20th, please make it a point to reach out and say hi. Inside Music will be there as well, recording a few episodes as time allows. So reach out to us on Twitter, at Inside Music Pod, or reach out to us through our official blog, holixdaily.com. That's H-A-U-L-I-X daily.com. Also, you should probably check out our sponsor, which again is Holix, the music industry's leading promotional digital distribution platform. What that means is that Holix works with record labels, independent artists, and publicists all over the world to share unreleased music with members of the press and the music industry at large without fear of leaks. Should piracy occur, Holix has a wide array of tools that can help prevent leaks from spreading and also figure out who is responsible. For more information on Holix and access to a free 30-day trial, visit www.holix.com. That's www.h-a-u-l-i-x.com. I do also want to point out that our friends in Drowning Pool do have a new album out. Hallelujah was released on E1. It's their E1 label debut earlier this month on February 5th. If you like rock and roll, if you like angry music to drink to and have fun with your friends, Hallelujah is the album for you. We're going to play a little bit of it here at the top of the show, but if you want to know what the album's really about, you should grab a copy from yourself from your local music retailer. So let's see, we covered the blog, we covered South By, we covered Twitter, we covered the sponsor, and I think <clears throat> I think that's everything. We could talk about Kanye West, but maybe we'll do that another time. I, I really think you're going to like this week's show, and I apologize again for last week's delay. Uh, next week, like I said, we've already got it recorded. Bryce from the Rocket Summer will be on the show, so if you like this conversation, please check back next week as we'll have another one ready to go. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Have a great day.
awesome. How are you, bud? I'm doing good. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Hey, ditto, man. Thanks for talking to me. So, yeah, man. So, we're talking... Today, we're, like, officially one week from the release of uh, Hallelujah, your most recent album. How how are you feeling so far? I'm feeling great. <laughs> uh, you know, the reception has been uh, stupendous. How you like that word? Um, no, good. the reception's been great, man. Um, we felt really good going into the recording process, you know. Working with E1, that's been a blessing. Working with Jason Sukoff, really, really, really intelligent guy, smart dude. <clears throat> Felt great, and the trend has continued. You know, while we were recording the record, it's not as if we were locked away in the studio, you know, only thinking of the record. We got to, we played shows on the weekends as well, fly shows. So we got to bounce the songs off live crowds before, you know, the record came out, and it was well received. So, um, now that the record's out, like you say, I mean the reviews have been good. You always get those haters, but not nearly as much as the last as the last release. So, Hallelujah's been great, man. I'm happy. I was going to ask you about that. Are you are you or are you guys in the band the kind of people that you know read reviews? Do you pay a lot of attention to that stuff, or do you try to just not not let it get to you? <laughs> I think I think you take it with a grain of salt. I mean, you try to be um, thick skinned, if you will. But I mean, if there's a reputable source, then yeah, you have to listen to that. I mean, you you owe it to your fans, you owe it to your craft, you owe it to yourself to take, you know, all kinds of criticism. And so, I mean, I wouldn't say we read into the nonsense because that's obviously nonsense. But if there's something that holds, you know, weight, <clears throat> sure, we'll take that into consideration. But at the end of the day, we we do what we do. Our art is our art, and that's really the 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 theme of Hallelujah, if you will. I mean, it, it's, we're not, we're not, you know, spouting a whole bunch of positive messages. You know, this is, this is a really angry record, a, a bitter record, a hateful record. Oh yes, it is. We'll get there. We'll get there. When uh, we're going to lead up to it. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so you guys signed with E1 back in August of last year, and I know you announced the release of this record in October. So when did you actually sit down and record the album? Oh, man, when did we record the record? Let me ask one of my homies, man, because I'm, I'm terrible with dates. Hey, Steve, what, when did we record the record? What, what month was that? July, July and August. All right. Thanks, man. Past <laughs> summer. You, call, you called in a lifeline. I like that. Man, I ain't shy. Yeah, questions, man. So yeah, we recorded it in the summer last time. So you recorded it. Yeah, last we recorded summer. it in in Florida, mm. and we were all jazzed, thinking, "Oh man, we're gonna go to re- record in Paradise, Florida. It's gonna be amazing." And fucking rained every day, man. You know they don't put that on the brochure that you know they have a rainy season. I was unaware. Fair enough, fair enough. I was actually going to ask you what that process was like. So are you? So did you guys write the album before you enter the studio, or are you the type of band that kind of does everything once you get to the studio? We never stop writing. I like that. We were fine-tuning songs in the studio, but we, no, we're not the type of band where we showed up to the studio with nothing or, you know, just rough ideas. We never, like, for example, um, there's a song on the new record. It's called Meet the Bullet. Um, Stevie and I were working on that song at the Knitting Factory in Boise when we were on the center, um, center on Lucky 13 tour. We were doing demos for that in the dressing room. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, I was actually going to ask about that later when, when you actually st- kind of started the writing process. It was all the way back then. Oh, man, yeah. We, we never stopped writing. I mean, if we, realistically, if we were to release every song that we have on the table right now, it'd be yeah. triple album. We got a lot of material. I mean, granted, not all of it's great, but I'm just, we, we have a lot of material. I like that though because I feel like there are some bands that get to you know it comes time to do a new album and they write 13 songs and 11 of them make the record I prefer an artist that you know writes 30 or 40 songs and then takes the cream of the crop and just kind of you know does whatever with the rest maybe maybe you come back to them later and they work again but you write a ton of material and then take the best as opposed to like writing just enough yeah I'm with you on that one that's the way that that way it ensures that you get the best of the best now, is that all? We were brutal with each other on this on this record as well, man. I mean, it, really? know, no punches were pulled. <laughs> is that has that always been the case with the, uh, with your writing process? Do you like to kind of have that you know, unabashed honesty in the in the recording studio? Um, yeah, I just think we took it to extremes this time. We were very um, <clears throat> aimed at what we wanted to do on this record, so um, it isn't as if we were trying to disrespect each other, but. And then you got to understand with John and Paul, the way we write is it's not as if, you know, CJ writes all the music. So he does write a, a good part of it. But Steve writes a lot of music as well. I wrote some music for the new record. Uh, Steve and I wrote a lot of the lyrics. CJ wrote some lyrics. So with so many sources bringing so many ideas to the table, you really had to be brutally honest with each other. And if something was a, a, a turd, man, it's always going to be a turd, no matter how well it's produced. So, <clears throat> yeah. I think we, we were very honest with each other. I think that produces. I think that you know. I think that's evident on the record. I, I don't want to jump ahead of myself here too much, but I do feel like this record has a lot of the best elements of what I. Th- at least let's go to if we're talking about resilience, since that's when you get into the band. I think that this album has the best elements of that record, along with a whole bunch of new ideas, and that's why it works so well. I would assume is because you guys sit there and kind of tear every idea apart and see what actually fits. Well, there were a lot of a lot of outside influences. Um, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but there were definitely um, a lot of influences outside the band um, trying to steer the direction we were going in. Um, I mean, ultimately, that's on us, and and we 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 uh, we played the game. And I'm very proud of resilience. I'm not I'm not dogging on resilience by any means. That was my first you know venture into being a, a professional musician, if you will. But uh, I, I'd say um, this is a, a, a more honest record, a truer record, hallelujah, comparison to Resilient. Um, I like that. I, yeah. I, I feel like that comes through in the lyrics a lot. And so let me ask you what, about E1 before we get too far down the line. So when did when did they enter the conversation of Drowning Pool? Did they come to you? Did you send them the new album? How did, it, how did that all get going? We didn't send them a piece of music. That's been the beautiful thing about working with E1. Um, and I don't remember exactly, I told you, man, I'm bad with dates. I don't That's remember fine. exactly when, when they were, you know, being brought into the picture. I don't, I'm, I'm assuming we approached them. Um, but again, that's an assumption. I mean, I don't know. I know that uh, we were, we were all a bit shocked. When, when they agreed to just let us do the record that we wanted to do, I mean, they you know, many labels want to want to hear what what they're investing in, you know, and then they get a producer that's on board with what they want to do, and and 
you know, the producer is, is like, you know, the go-to guy for the label to, to get their ideas across. And he won was, was nothing but supportive. We didn't send them a demo. We didn't send them any music, man. We just went into the studio with Jason Sukov and we did exactly what we wanted to do. It made for epic arguments with Jason because, again, we didn't let Jason hear anything before we got there. We were so aimed at what we wanted to do. And Jason was great. We we, we went to Jason because, you know, we wanted to make a heavy record. He's a heavy guy. He's really fucking smart. And we knew it was going to work. Um, so, got the record. We delivered to E1. Um, we're thinking for sure we're going to get fired. There's no way. <laughs> You know, there's no way they're going to get behind this because they hadn't heard anything. And when you know it, man, they are, they're doing what, what they said they were going to do. They're pushing the record. They're supportive of us. They gave us complete artistic freedom. It's been fucking amazing, man. And I'm so grateful to everyone at E1. I mean, that's not bullshit. I'm not, you know, being company man or, or you know, blowing smoke. It's fucking rad, man. I've never experienced that. Full artistic freedom, man, from the suits. <laughs> that, great that's amazing shout out e1 bill bill at e1 is one of my good buddies he's a good guy <laughs> yeah bill's great man i think bill <laughs> all right yeah shout out bill meese all right let's let's keep on moving through the record here i do want to know it sounds like you're a lot happier with how this record came together than resilience like you said not that resilience is a bad record at all but it seems like you guys had you were able to do exactly what you wanted on this album and would you say that was a different experience than maybe when you first joined the band and you were working on resilience no, without a doubt. I mean, <clears throat> you listen to the resilience demos, and they're very similar. You know, the hella really bang real heavy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm obviously didn't get produced that way, and that's not a knock. That's just reality. You know, songs change drastically from the demo form to you know how it was released. Um, now it's different. How the process differs from you know resilience to hallelujah is. You know, they, they didn't change. They just got better. We fine-tuned them. We were all, everyone was on the same page. Really no outside influences other than, you know, Jason Tukov. So it was the band. We were as the, the songwriters of Jason Tukov. And, and he helped us elevate the song. He didn't change a whole lot. Just, you know, polished them, elevated them. Brought out what we were trying to do. We're all speaking the same language. So everything was just... Springboard, springboard, springboard. And it got better and better and better and better. And it's been great, man. It wasn't so much, you know, going into it, and, you know, oh, well, man, this part's a bit racy, this part's a bit heavy, I'm about to change that, or, you know, but none of that. The feel was, was left true to the song. Got it. This is what we're doing with the song. How do we make it better? We'll fucking change it. How do we make it better? It happened, man. And some songs didn't need to be changed at all, you know. It's rad, man. Nine day experience all around from, you know, Hallelujah to working with E1. It's just been, you know. Yeah. Awful. No, it sounds that way. Let me, so last year you guys did this uh, Unlucky 13 tour in Supportive Center where you went out and did the album again. What, do you think going on that tour influenced the sound of Hallelujah? Because there's a lot of similar <laughs> aggressiveness between the two records. Not that they sound alike necessarily, but that edge that was on the, the debut DP album is back again, I think. I think uh, that definitely played part into the new record. I wouldn't say that's the sole reason. Um, it's, it's apparent. I hear that a lot. So it must be. It's a case. compliment. So, I mean, that's good. 
Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not taking it as a knock at all. I mean, that's that was the magic. You know, I remember being back in the scene before the guys were signed and watching them play those songs and knowing back then, oh man, this is gonna fucking blow. You can't touch this. So yeah, I'm all about it, and it was a great honor for me to, to uh, pay respect to Dave's legacy and, and sing those songs every night because I knew Dave. You know, um, shared stages with with Dave before the guys were signed. So that, well, that was a nice a nice way to pay my respects. Um, and I definitely think it influenced, you know, what we're doing now. I think, uh, getting a new label, well, I think, you know, cleaning house, if you will, and just getting a fresh start on that side of it. And then, as you say, reconnecting with the course and of, of what we're doing, but it makes sense that we would go back to that. I mean, cause I'm a Dallas guy. And as I keep saying, you know, it's, I'm 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 not the new guy anymore. I'm I'm the latest singer of a of a of a long line of them, which which is unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And that that trend ends now. I'm the guy, but in some senses, man, I've always been here. You know. No, definitely. I was as actually a, as a go ahead. As I say, you know, I, I played with the guys before they were signed. I cut my teeth on the same sound, the same era, the same genres of music. You know, we we come from the same place. And, you know, um, when they were able to, they came back for for the Dallas bands and my old local band. I, I toured with Dragon Pool. You know, I drove a damn band following their tour bus. My band would, would play first. And then, you know, one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I'm selling merch for, for the band and playing shows. So, <clears throat> And then when it came time to audition, I auditioned. And I didn't tell them I was doing it. It wasn't a freebie, but... You know, one thing led to another. I get the gig. So, in my long-winded way, there's a point. I promise. It it would make sense that Hallelujah would sound very similar to Sinner, because that's, you know, it's like we've gone in this great big circle. This, you know, here we are, full circle. Does that make sense? Am I am I relaying what I'm what I'm trying to? Oh say? no, I definitely think it does. I think you make perfect sense. I was actually going to ask you a little bit about that. I was reading about uh, your history with the band, and I wanted to know, just for people that you know, not, we can't really go back in time. And I haven't really been able to find any footage from like the glory days of Drowning Pool before they were signed. So can you maybe tell tell me and tell the listeners a little bit about like what it was like to be on the sidelines of seeing a band that you. Every, I, I get the sense that when the band performed before they were signed, like everyone in the room got the feeling like these guys have got it. Like the, this, they have the songs, they have they have what they need. What was like? Do you remember when you first saw the band play at that level? Like when that clicked for you? And maybe not. Obviously, you said you're not good at times, but uh, maybe I don't know the feeling of that moment back in the day. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't remember very specific dates or or times. Obviously, is my memory is shit, but. You know, I remember, say we're, you know, we're playing Galaxy Club. This is old Dallas Club that we all used to play. It was the hot spot for the for the hard rock metal band. It was a hangout spot as well. If you were playing that night and Dave showed up, then you know he didn't have to be playing a show. Everything would change. The mood would change. Everything would elevate because that was just Dave. You know. And yeah. he was the life of the party and it would just come alive. So if you can, if you know anyone like that, if you, if you're that guy or you have someone in your life who's like that, then that's similar to what it was like to be around Dave. 
Um, and then that translated onto the stage when they were playing the song. Wow. So it wasn't, you know, he was just, it's hard to put into words. Um, I remember we, you know, we're all local bands back then. We're all, we're all aimed at the same goal. We're trying to get signed, you know, and we have a friendly rivalry going and, um, we're always trying to one up each other. You know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. So I remember we're playing this festival back in the day, local music festival. And, uh, I was in a band and we were on right before drowning pool. And I remember thinking it was the best show of my life, man. If I could kill it, you know, you top that we fucking own the day. And, uh, drowning pool came on and proceeded to kick the shit out of us. <laughs> you know, I remember just being so, so conflicted. Cause I was like, fuck man, I just, I just got my ass handed to me. But at the same time, I was, I was very, you know, honored to be a part of it and I knew what I was seeing and I knew that you know so I was happy for the guys but you know I was also a sore loser I guess but that didn't last long I mean <clears throat> great bunch of guys um yeah so I remember getting the chills and, and Dave with the fucking snow shovel and banging on the damn stage with the shovel and Tom with the snare sounds crazy wild. man the spectacle mm -hmm. yeah it was intense <laughs> I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing like those moments when you see a band reach that, reach that level of success or like talent, and you're just like, oh, it, it, oh, it's happening. Like you, you see it happen before you. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go back to the album, man. I, you, we've touched on this a little bit now, but the new record is uh, is an aggressive album. I've heard you call it the Bad Attitude record, and I, I love that because I think it, I think it fits the feel of the album a lot. So where do you, where does that aggression come from? What's what's the source of that on this record? You know, I wouldn't say it's only this record. I mean, speaking for myself, and even the guys I'll venture, and I mean, why did we, why were we drawn to this type of music? You know that that those seeds of of resentment and bitterness and yeah. hatred and that's just part of being a human man i mean and and you know why suppress that so we were drawn we were called to this aggressive therapy if you will you know with the brutality of it so it's always been there um and as far as what what has inspired us to to really be open and so brash with it on this record. I think it's just, you know, extreme highs and extreme lows. Drowning Pool's been through some shit, you know? I mean, obviously with the passing of Dave, it's tragic. Best friend, they have, to, they have to go through that. You know, the singer changes. and You know, just, just being in the industry itself, you know, with the, with the, with the arrival of, you know, digital downloads and, and you know, piracy of music and, you know, trying to weather that and then trying to adapt to social media. I mean, and I'm all for social media. I'm just, just saying it's, it, there's lots of trends and waves that you have to ride just trying to survive in this industry um, that I'm, I'm getting the experience firsthand now. And, uh, you know, that, that, that has definitely played a big part of the inspiration for this new record. And then just life in general. I mean, there are plenty of bands out there and I'm, I'm you know, if you're familiar with the things I've been saying about this record, then you'll know what I'm about to say. Is there's plenty of other bands out there waving the positivity flag and trying to uplift people, and and um, they do a great job at that. But that's not us. You know, that's not this current drowning pool. So we say 
what we're all feeling, what we're thinking. You know, we're we're broad enough to where you can relate to the negativity of it. You know, you're pissed and and you you want to let that aggression out, and this is a the record for you if you're a Johnny Bull fan. I agree. And even if you're not a Johnny Bull fan, if you just pissed and you want to rage just for a little bit, you hey, listen to the record man. therapy. I really like that. I like that tag, musical musical therapy. I, I could definitely get that feeling with this record. I, there's one track I want to talk about in particular because it's you've managed to pull off something that I think is really difficult in the world of rock, and that is an aggressive-sounding ballad. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Are you talking about Another Name? Yeah, yeah. No, that is exactly the song I was talking about. I think Another Name is a great track, but it, it's so strange because it, it has that kind of seething aggression to it underneath, but there's still the beauty that you need to make a ballad really click. And I guess I was wondering kind of where that song comes from, what it's about, and I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of songs in the record I feel like we could talk about, but that one definitely, on a first spin for anyone is going to jump out as a unique track you know here man i'm on a, i'm on a tag team is that all right yes go ahead my lifeline bear with me man i got the source right here <laughs> you wrote another name man and i got a question on what is the direction for another name um, put you on screen there we go. Um, you know, honestly, the reason I sat down to write another name is because, I mean, we were purposely trying to make records, you know, as heavy and just balls out and go for it as possible. But I thought that it would probably be a good idea to, at some point in the, in the record, be able to kind of let the listener take a breath. And so that that's what, like, <clears throat> inspired me to start the song. And as far as what the song's about context of the question was we're able to pull off an aggressive ballad a ballad uh, yeah so it was curious as to what inspired me to write the song you know honestly even though the song is the slowest mellowest song on the record it still is about the same thing that all the other songs are about which is just you know being pissed off and frustrated with the world <laughs> so even though it's the ballad it's still the same message as the rest of the record mm. I like that. I like that. There is it, it does keep things cohesive. It doesn't you guys don't really pivot in any way with the message of the album. But yeah, I found it kind of I found it very interesting the way that you managed to kind of meld that anger and aggression into something a little bit softer where you can take a break without losing kind of the momentum of the lyrics in the message. So cool. Right on, man. <laughs> Thanks for your help, Stevie. So, uh, I yeah, like another name. I mean, yeah, um, yeah sometimes life sucks. And, <laughs> sometimes uh, life sucks. That's just the way it is, man. So <laughs> you know, I can I, deal with it. I feel like there's a lot of potential singles on this record that could do really well at radio. And I wanted to ask you about that a little bit because, you know, in, in this age of streaming, a lot of people want to say that rock and really any genre today is defined by singles and not albums. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel that... I mean, obviously, you guys are still releasing albums, so you still have an interest in making them. Right. But do you feel that that's true in some ways, that it's about the single? Because obviously, oh, man. A, a lot of... Without it, out. Okay, okay. Just tell me about it. You know, a lot of, a lot of the... I mean, hell, you get all these pop artists with, you know, they, they they do the collaborations and they sell a single. It's like a, you know, superpower, if you will, the biggest name. Exactly. 
in uh in music they get together they record songs and they push the single so definitely um you know the suits are are really getting behind the single <clears throat> i can see that trend um do i have any interest in following that trend i mean i guess i don't feel you know led to get behind either one of them i mean we're a band not you know we write songs we write a lot of fucking songs man. Um, obviously we don't want to, you know, overload the, uh, fan base, but you know, we, it's not, you know, we didn't write this record with singles in mind. Um, that was a very freeing experience as well. We didn't go into the studio and listen to what we have and say, all right, we've talked to you one and they think this is the single and all right, let's really focus on that. Hell no, we didn't do that. As I told you before, anyone hadn't heard a thing when we were recording the record. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, as brutal as we were with each other in honesty, you know, the strongest ideas came. So we didn't focus on any any one song. We didn't think that, you know, this is the single, man, and, you know, we'll push this. We just delivered a record of our strongest efforts and let one choose the single. Do you have faith in anyone? If you think that's the single, that that's the one you want to get behind, then hell yeah, man, push that as the single. And that worked for us. So personally, I'm interested in continuing that trend. If I can retain artistic freedom to do exactly what I want to do, <clears throat> and our label can hear something within you know, our work that they feel they can get behind and push as a single, and Let's keep that trend going, man. I think that's the way it needs to be, just for our band and how we work, you know. No, that that makes that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I was interested because I, you know, whenever I read a review of your album or really any album anymore, people the first thing people want to do is point out what songs could be the single. And this this record has a, a handful of songs that I think could easily get on radio without much effort. Hell to Pay, I think, is perfect. By the Blood, Push, they're all they're all songs that could be on radio. So I was curious about how conscious of an effort it is to write singles, and I and I guess it makes sense now hearing it from you. That you know the album has an element of cohesion to it that I think speaks to the fact that you're just making records like the, it flows together. It doesn't come right. across as like, oh, this is clearly the radio song because it sounds like nothing else on the record. Yeah, I mean, people smell a fake a mile away. Exactly. You know? And and for for me, man, I'm shit at writing singles. Man, I can't. If I try <laughs> to write you a hit single, it's gonna suck ass, man. And you're gonna know. That is the fakest song I've ever heard. Because I just, I, I can't do it, man. I mean, it's either happening or it's not. It has to be real. Yeah. And I think that holds true for all of us in Drowning Pool. I mean, mm. you know, especially now at this stage in their career, you know, and let's just say what we're going to say, play what we're going to play. And uh, hopefully it works. And if it doesn't, hey, man, you know, we try <laughs> yeah, I, that's a perfect segue, actually, because my next question was going to be about the legacy of the band. Uh, uh, you know, of the groups that came up when Sinner came out, other bands included, Drowning Pool is getting more and more into the rarefied era of the bands that are still active and have been active this entire time. What do you think, you know, what do you think it is about the band that has made it possible to have this longevity? Obviously, the rotating singers added an element of like, there's a newness, something new every time, but... You know, I think Hallelujah is the strongest album in a long time for the group, and it you know it feels like it opens doors to like another chapter. Like there's still more to come because, you know, you're still kind of outdoing yourselves as a band. So what what is it about this group that has allowed them to, 
you know, st- stay away from the fires of irrelevancy? Well, I mean, I think that's a testament to the fan base, honestly. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of people behind the scenes that have enabled John and Cole to continue as the machine that it is. And, you know, hats off to those people. Thank you very much for allowing that because that enabled me to be where I am now. Um, but ultimately, I think when you strip it all away, when you when you take you remove all the suits and and all the you know politics and, and the, the business aspect of it, I think it's a testament to the relationship the Drowning Pools had with their fans. You know, it wasn't as if you know when when the, the guys like Stevie and CJ lost Dave, they lost Dave. It was it was everyone. Drowning Pool fans lost Dave. Um, I think they came together through that and healed each other, you know, through the music. And it's been a process. Healing's a process. And they haven't been alone in doing that. Jeremy Poole's fan base been there. Um, I know that, you know, coming into it, you know, with the new guy being apprehensive, you know, oh, man, how's it going to be? I don't want to be the guy that ruined Jeremy Poole. And, you know, ultimately, man, the fans... I mean, it really doesn't fucking matter who's singing, you know? They're fans, loyal. Um, and that's not to say I'm going anywhere. Man, I'm the dude. I'm not fucking going anywhere. I think that's a testament to the fans. I mean, they have been able, Drowning Pool, have been able to continue this ride and do what they're doing because the fans continue to show up. They keep, you know, buying the music. They buy the tickets. They continue to support the band, so... No, you can't stop. No, I, I like that. I mean, the demand is, is still there. I mean, and it, you know, um, John and Paul is just a very open and honest band. Um, I think they own everything, you know, good or bad, whether it worked or not, they own it. They don't try to hide it. Hearts on the sleeve type of guy, you know, I mean, there's not that, that boundary, you know, that, exists around certain bands where, you know, there's that whole facade of, you know, rock star, if you will, because, you know, whatever, some people get into it for that, you know, but I don't, I don't, I've never seen that with Johnny Poole, as long as I've been knowing the guys, that has never existed, you know, they have always remained true to who they are, and I've always been very approachable, um, and I think that translates very well to their fans, I think that's part of the appeal, part of, part of the you know, the things that people, you know, find endearing about Drowning Pool, things that people love about you know, Drowning Pool. It's not as if, you know, hey, I'm I'm fucking Jason Moreno up on a stage. and No, man, it's a, it's a bond, you know, it's a relationship. We're all in this. Um, Drowning Pool is like one big family. And I know that sounds, you know, silly, and, and but it's true. Man. That's, that's the truth. <clears throat> so... I definitely don't think yeah. it sounds that silly at all. I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, I, I always tell people that something that has impressed me the most about the band is that you know they have this tragedy, and it's something that they've never lost sight of, but they've also, I think, made an effort to not let it be the thing that defines them because they have continued to evolve and change, and you know, records sound different from side to side. It's not a band that kind of lost, lost Dave, and then they didn't know where to go next. Like, the band has constantly tried to find keep moving forward and I, I think that speaks to 
the support of the fan base and also, you know, the drive of the members of the band, yourself included, is that, you know, you, you keep, you, you don't settle with like, everyone knows the name, so that's all we need. Like, you guys keep trying to find a new way to reinvent yourselves with each record, it seems like. Yeah, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. I like your answer. <laughs> well, well, thanks. Uh, the last thing I want to talk to you about with you today, I know we've been talking for a bit now. I know you guys, you guys just started a new tour last night in Fort Wayne, Indiana, right? Right. How, how was it, man? How was it going? Fort Wayne was rad. Yeah. And yeah, they were ready. Um, I, that's a, that's a town that likes a new breed. Yeah. We're out with a new breed and, and audio topsy and, uh, you know, they were ready. <laughs> they, they knew their part and they held up their part. <laughs> you show up and you want a rock show, you're going to get a fucking rock show. And they got it and they were into it. There wasn't any weird shit. I mean, I know the guys were dealing with some equipment issues. <clears throat> you always get that day one of the tour, you know, trying to work out the bugs. But overall, it was great. I mean, no, no fires, nobody died. It was awesome. Can't complain about People that. People showed up. You know. I feel I feel like Northern Indiana is not get the acclaim it deserves. People there love rock and roll, whether it's Fort Wayne or South Bend or any of those cities in the northern part of the state. They they love rock bands. Like that's the genre for Northern Indiana. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, hell, they still got rock radio here. Which yeah, is, man, that's in trouble. Rock radio is in trouble, and you know, there's still certain parts pockets of, of the United States that are still clinging and fighting, you know, to keep rock relevant. And as, as you say, this is one of those hotspots. So that's why we're here and we respect that. We're grateful for that. And, you know, definitely. Yeah. I was telling my dad, I was actually telling my dad this morning that we were having this conversation today and he was telling me that he had heard your uh, new song on 1039 The Bear out of South Bend, Indiana. So there's a plug for one of those rock stations. <laughs> yeah, we were just at The Bear yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. They're, they're great people. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, man, they're fucking great. They're allowing <laughs> us to continue doing what we're doing. I mean, it's, that's what I'm saying, man. It's all connected. We're all in this together. It's all a family, man, you know, mm. and it's, some some parts are struggling, you know, but I mean, you know, we need rock radio. We need fans. We, you know, definitely can't do it. You know, one hand washes the other, man, and we can't do it by ourselves, man. So. Exactly. So tonight you're in Detroit. You guys got a few four, few more weeks ahead. What? How much of the new album are you guys playing on this tour? Dude, we're hammering people with the new. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I like that. Yeah, we 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 come straight out the gate with two new songs. We up in the drop. We go straight into push. Uh, we play, what do we fucking play? Sinner, and then I think we play We Are the Devils. Uh, oh, wow. We're playing Snake Charmer, play another name. So we're playing like five songs. Dang. Five new songs. Yeah. I think Snake Charmer might be my favorite, so now now I've got to make it out. Oh, so, hey, cool, man. I think that's all. <laughs> I think that's all. I think we, we, need to, we need to play with placement within within the set. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, overall, great. That's great. I, I like when a band brings out a lot of the new material. I know some artists feel like you know the fans. The fans expect certain songs, so you got to play those, and that's obviously always the case. But you know, your diehards this far into a career like Drowning Pool, you guys have released enough studio albums that fans want to hear some of the new stuff. Obviously, they're still supporting the new stuff. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's what's been when been magical about the new record. Um, you know, we got to to test them out when we were recording the record as a set, so they're battle tested. Um, so. Maybe that's why it's it's feeling as good as it did because 
Yeah, we've already played these songs live. So first tour, granted, but we've already played a lot of these songs live. We we got to, to bounce them off crowds, live crowds already. I mean, how we played with Slayer and played We Are the Devil, and they were singing it by the end of the song. So and we didn't get booed off stage there, so can't be too bad. Um, but as you say, there are still the staples within the back catalog that we will always play. So you're still going to hear Sinner. You're still going to hear Step Up. You're obviously still going to hear Bodies. I mean, Pity is in there. Um, Thank. So it's it's exploring the entire back catalog. Feel like I do. But still playing. Feel like I do. Thirty-seven stitch. You you get it all, man. We play a long fucking time. I hope you're ready. Come to the show. I like that. (laughs) I hope you're ready. Oh man, that sounds great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I want to ask you one last question. It's a little lofty, so don't don't feel like you got to have a very specific answer. But you know, with everything you've been able to accomplish through Drowning Pool with these two records, and this one's obviously still new. You know, when we get to the end of 2016 and you're looking back, what is it that you hope to like? Is there like one big thing you hope to accomplish this year? Is there like a new plateau you want to reach with the band? Like, what is it that you hope to you know? What do you hope to accomplish with Drowning Pool this year? Well, the biggest thing I want to accomplish is to reassure any fans that may still be on the fence, um, because that's just reality. When you get something as drastic as a singer change, another singer change with the drowning pool, you know that has been afflicted with singer changes in the past. It's just natural, human nature, for people to be, you know, reserved and and you know hesitant. Um, that's the biggest thing. I want to get back to the stability and the structure and to put people's mind at ease, you know, if you're still reserved, that everything is going to be fine. You know, um, and obviously I want to reach, you know, new fans and I want to elevate uh, what we're doing. I want to hit all the places that Johnny Pool hasn't been to in a while, you know, like South America, I've been to Australia in quite some time like to hit those those parts of the world i've never been to japan i want to go to japan i mean i just want to keep the party going i want to keep this ride going i don't want to stop you know so we get to the end of 2016 i would like to still be alive and, and yes. well and healthy with with peeps you know yeah i hope the world is doing well i hope that you know we're healing the environment i think that's important um, fix global warming, please. <laughs> yes, you know, I want to. I want to. I don't know. You like it? No, uh, it sounded kind of positive, didn't it? Wow! Don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> you wrote this aggressive <laughs> record, and you've got all these high hopes. <laughs> well, you know. Well, no, no, I, I like it. That the, that the world fucked up. You know. Yeah. I'm not happy that we're we're you know killing our planet, but you know. I'll keep that one to myself, man. I don't want to hammer my views down people's throats and all. But yeah, to answer your question, though, in 2016, I just hope that people are reassured. I hope that we've been able to bring the music to the people that have been wanting it and been hungry for it for years. So it's been years, you know, Johnny Pool has been to, you know, like Australia and South America. Yeah. So I hope we can get there and we can, we can play these songs for people because they deserve it, man. They've been having Johnny Pool back all these years. And we're trying. We're trying to get back there, man. <clears throat> it's a bunch of shit to try to, to get there, but we're working on it. So hopefully at the end of this year, we've accomplished those things, man. And anybody who wanted a piece of Johnny Pool, they got it. That's what I want to accomplish. 
I think that's a great answer, man. Well, you you have you know one hell, no pun intended, of a great new record. So I think I think you're in a good place to make those things happen this year. And thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, have a good uh, have a good show in Detroit tonight. And hopefully, when you uh, roll through a little bit further Midwest, I will our paths across. We can do this again sometime. Yeah, man. Come out. We'll talk some more. And get up on the stage and sing bodies. <laughs> All right, dude. Have a great day. You too, man. Later. Later.